Good morning. For our focus today on Jesus' parable of the sower, I want to begin, first of all, by just uh, giving thanks uh, to Dick Rohr for a delightful conversation we had earlier this week that greatly expanded my understanding and appreciation for good soil and good seed. And I also want to thank Clayton and Dottie for letting me come here on this, what is Friday morning, to record my sermon on their land, on the good soil that their family has been farming now for five generations. Five generations. So here in this beautiful setting, let us join our hearts together in prayer. Dear God, by the mysterious power of your Holy Spirit, connect our congregation together here with you. Though we are listening to this message in different places and even at different times, and most of all, we pray that you would help us to open our hearts to be receptive, to become good soil for the good seed of your kingdom of love. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. During a home leave, from our years in China. Danette and I visited many churches and we shared a message that was very close to our hearts about forgiveness. And I can't tell you how often when after the service, when we were shaking hands at the door afterward, people would come up to us and say, good sermon, I sure hope that so-and-so heard it. Or I sure hope that so-and-so in our church heard it or so-and-so in my family heard it. And God knows that I've thought and said the very same thing myself quite a few times over the years. We're all so very good at applying Jesus' teachings to other people, aren't we? <laughs> to others. But friends, when our Lord Jesus bids us to follow him here in this world, to become his apprentices in kingdom living, he invites us on a journey of never-ending growth and learning and transformation. And this requires each of us to make a fundamental shift in the way that we start reading the Bible. We begin finally to ask a very crucial question. How is this story in the Bible about me? Or about the congregation to which I belong? and not just other folks in other places. 
we begin to ask ourselves, what in my own life is packed down and needs to be watered and loosened? What thorns or rocks do I need to remove from my life? How can I or our church, our congregation, be more receptive to the good seed of the kingdom of love? As Jesus vividly describes for us today in his parable, God is constantly sowing good seed with abandon. <laughs> uh, Dick Rohr told me that he pays $250 per bag of corn seed and that he could never afford to plant his fields like God does. But with God, the seed flies everywhere in all directions, on the hard path, on rocky ground, in thorns, and in the good, rich topsoil. You see, our God is no ordinary sower. God extravagantly sows the seed as widely as possible unworried about the risks, confident, confident of its life-giving, generative power. You know, Thomas Merton, one of the great Christian thinkers and contemplatives of the last century, says that in every single moment, maybe even a recorded sermon, God is lavishly planting seed in our lives, generative seed. For just as the wind carries thousands of winged seeds, he says, so every moment brings with it kernels of spiritual vitality that come to rest imperceptibly in each of us. God is ever sowing this good seed of the kingdom in our lives through scripture, relationships, worship, life experiences, the beauty, <laughs> the beauty of creation, and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The beauty of Jesus' parable today is that the quality of the seed is never in question. The word of the kingdom, verse 19. The word of the kingdom is good and brings to life God's own life in our lives. New love new peace, new forgiveness, and new energy for setting things right in our circle of relationships, and new energy here in 2020 for working for things like racial justice. Wherever this good seed actually finds a home in good soil, it brings forth an astonishingly abundant harvest, 30-fold, 60-fold, sometimes even 100-fold.
This past week, I called up Dick Rohr, and we talked for almost an hour about seed and soil. And I caught a beautiful glimpse of a skilled farmer who loves his land, is endlessly fascinated with the science of seeds, and is constantly trying to increase the health and fertility of his soil. Dick told me a story about how 20 years back, he shifted, he made a huge shift to no longer plowing his fields, something that had been done before then for generations. And he switched to no-till farming. He told me that it was a huge and risky change for him, but right away it bore fruit. His soil erosion on the land decreased quite suddenly. And the earthworm, the earthworm, nature's plow, became his new best friend, aerating his soil and greatly increasing his land's ability to take in and to retain rainfall instead of all of it running off down to the Susquehanna. Dick also described some of the different, I found this fascinating, some of the different soil that we have here in Lancaster County. How the soil gets more red north of Ephrata. How it gets less fertile north of 283 heading over to Hershey and how it gets rich and dark and free of stones where he farms just over there here in Manor Township. Friends of his farmers up in Maytown will sometimes say to Dick, you down there are in the good soil. Today, Jesus as well is talking about, talking with us, sharing about different kinds of soil. And he describes four different ways that we can hear Jesus's kingdom instruction. Sometimes we can be like a hard path, he says. We never make it past the hearing stage. Jesus' good teaching goes in one ear and out the other. Sometimes we can be like rocky soil. Our initial interest and enthusiasm soon vanish. As soon as we come face to face with any kind of challenge or when the cost becomes too clear and too costly. Sometimes we're like weedy soil. We hear but our wealth and the cares of the world, our overpacked schedules choke out 
our ability to respond to Jesus. And then, finally, sometimes we can be like good soil. For example, in this time of dismantling the sin of racism in our own hearts and in the institutions around us, we keep on listening and learning and confessing, even when it feels really hard and really painful. We have staying power. For Jesus, the question is always not about the seed, but about the quality of our soil. So friends, right here now, in your own soul and in mine, what has become hardened and packed down? You probably know what it is. I probably do too, about myself. What has become filled with thorns and rocks? What needs to be watered with grace and prayer? What needs to be turned over in your life to be healed, perhaps with the help of a trusted friend or mentor or spiritual director? How can you and I become better soil, more receptive, more receptive to the good seed that God is always sowing? You know, if you're anything like me, you tend to think about this pandemic as a time just to get through, just to endure. And if you're anything like me, you're most of the time not doing very well. But recently I've been feeling this prompting, this question rising up within me. What if God intends for this pandemic time, amidst all of the struggle and the anxiety that we're experiencing, to be a time more fertile than any other time in our lives? A time of deep learning and growth and reflection. A before and after time for each of us and for our congregation. What if? I love that black-winged, a red-winged blackbird singing to the right here. Thank you. Friends, did you notice today how Jesus' parable ends on such an amazing note of hope? Oh, we need hope these days, don't we? This story doesn't end with birds snatching up the seed or with rootless plants wilting in the hot sun or with spindly stalks being choked by thorns. No, 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 that's not how it ends. This story ends, this parable ends with an astonishingly abundant harvest 
This reminds me of how six years ago, Adrian Lapp met me at church one Sunday morning and shouted out, Todd, the, the Barnstormers won the baseball game that you were at last night in the 12th inning, wonderful. And I was completely stunned. You see, my father-in-law and I had been at that game, yes, but then we'd given up hope and left in the eighth inning with the Barnstormers trailing one to four. We'd missed the dramatic comeback. You know, friends, in the same way, just earlier this year, who would any of us have believed that a movement for racial justice would be sweeping right now across our nation? If I told you that in January or February, would you have believed it? You would have been incredulous that we'd be confessing in small ways, at least, our nation's original sin of slavery, that statues of slave masters would all be coming down, and that we'd even be talking about reparations for the descendants of enslaved people trying to set things right? You see, dear friends, kingdom people the followers and the apprentices of Jesus are called to have staying power, not to give up hope, not to leave the game or to leave the land too early. Because as God so movingly promises in our Isaiah passage today, my word shall not return to me empty. My word shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. Friends, God's good purposes will be accomplished. And most of the time in ways that will completely astonish just about everybody, including you, and especially including me. Amen.